The following audio is from Shiloh Presbyterian Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. More information about Shiloh Presbyterian Church is available at shilohopc.org. Joshua chapter 14, starting at verse 6 and reading through to verse 15. We're dropping in, parachuting in, as it were, onto the account of Israel's inheritance of the land how they uh, apportion up the land according to their tribes. And we come now to Caleb's request for an inheritance within the land. And this will be uh, our meditation for this evening. So Joshua chapter 14, verse 6. This is God's word. Then the people of Judah came to Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh the Kezanite said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God in Kadesh Barnea, concerning you and me. I was forty years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought him word again as it was in my heart. But my brothers, who went up with me, made the heart of the people melt. Yet I wholly followed the Lord my God." And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land on which your foot has trodden shall be an inheritance for you and your children forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive, just as he said, these forty-five years since the time that the Lord spoke this word to Moses, while Israel walked in the wilderness. And now behold, I am this day eighty-five years old. I am still as strong today as I was in the day that Moses sent me. My strength now is as my strength was then, for war and for going and coming. So now give me this hill country of which the Lord spoke on that day. For you have heard on that day how the Anakim were there with great fortified cities. It may be that the Lord will be with me, and I shall drive them out just as the Lord has said. Then Joshua blessed him, and he gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, for an inheritance. Therefore Hebron became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, to this day, because he wholly followed the Lord, the God of Israel. Now the name of Hebron formerly was Kiriath Arba. Arba was the greatest man among the Anakim, and the land had rest from war. Amen. Thanks be to God for his word. Let's pray. Lord, we pray now that you would be merciful to us, speak to us, prepare our hearts, ready us by faith, for faith, for a life of faith. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Well, we've come to that point, haven't we, that we've been talking about for uh, just over a year, the last service of us as a joint uh, church before Zion Presbyterian Church is sent out from us. And I've chosen this passage because I think that Caleb's faith, as he seeks to settle the land, uh, and we hear in in this reading that the land was not yet fully settled, there remained enemies still within the land, he was going to settle the land and settle his own family. Uh, In a similar way, I suppose, we're sending out Zion, uh, a congregation of God, 
to settle a congregation of God in an equally hostile land. And so we ask ourselves tonight, what can we learn from Caleb, Caleb the man of faith? Caleb's request for his own parcel of land is a request characterized by faith. Faith in the character, in the word, and in the actions of Almighty God. His faith was in God, nothing else. And it was a faith that granted him inheritance. It was a faith that set him apart, even from among his own people. And it was a faith that, yes, received the reward of inheritance, but ultimately will receive the great reward of heaven itself. That's what we're going to consider this night, how faith is set before all of us, those remaining at Shiloh, those going out with Zion, faith which ultimately finds its fulfillment in the person and work of our Lord Jesus Christ. Five points, you can see them, I think, printed somewhere on the back of the bulletin. Five points concerning Caleb's faith, which have direct applicability to us in our present circumstance. First of all, we'll see the foundation of Caleb's faith, the foundation of his faith. Secondly, the devotion of his faith, devotion. Third, the perspective of his faith. Fourth, the energy of his faith. And finally, the fruition of his faith, which ultimately we know is in the person of our Savior. So the foundation, the devotion, the perspective, the energy, and the fruition of faith. The foundation of faith. Perhaps you picked it up as we read uh, this short passage, the constant refrain, the theme to which Caleb consistently appealed uh, on, with respect to inheriting the land. What were the grounds for his hope, the grounds for his strength, the grounds for his request? It was what God had said. It was the word of God. The foundation of Caleb's faith is the triune God, of course, but here, foundationally, we see it being in the Word of God. For Caleb, the Word of God was an anchor for his soul and for his faith. In fact, in this short request, on five occasions, we see him focusing upon what God had said directly or what God had said through Moses. Consider verse 6. Halfway through the verse, you know what the Lord said to Moses. You know what the Lord said to Moses. Verse 9, and Moses swore on that day. We see again the idea of, uh, of the word of God. Verse 10, halfway through, just as he, that is the Lord, had said, these 45 years since the time that the Lord spoke this word to Moses. And on the fifth occasion in verse 12, so now give me this hill country of which the Lord spoke on that day. What the Lord said, as Moses swore, just as the Lord had said, just as the Lord spoke, the Lord spoke on that day. Very clearly for Caleb, his principal claim, 
The foundation of his claim upon this land is not his own character or his own activity, though he does reference that. His principal claim is founded upon what God had promised. Nothing to do with his own faithfulness, everything to do with what God had said and what God would do. Consider this, friends. Caleb took what God had said seriously. And God had said it years earlier. What God had said, he took seriously. And the promise of this land upon which Caleb was standing, that God had promised, then comes to fruition in the very next chapter. Chapter 15, verse 13, according to the commandment of the Lord to Joshua, he gave Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, a portion among the people of Judah, and so on. What God said, Caleb believed, God brought it to pass. God's word was Caleb's confidence. Friends, as we approach this plant starting next week, undoubtedly we're filled with both excitement and apprehension. Friends who have been worshipping together for 20 plus years will now be attending different churches. We won't see each other quite as frequently as we have done these last years. The question is, will the, will the Lord continue to bless Shiloh as he has, and will he bless Zion as we seek to plant and establish her? The answer to those questions is found in in our attitude, the same as it must be was, as was for Caleb, is in the word of God. What is God's assurance to us? Did we not even just hear last week that the Lord loves the gates of Zion? And not just Zion Presbyterian Church in Southern Wake County, but every Zion, every place where he dwells in the midst of his people. Does not the Lord's word tell us the Lord loves the gates of Zion? Has God not said, how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts? That's here in the people of God. Has not God said, no good thing will I withhold from those who walk uprightly? Has not Christ said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it? We face a future uncertain in some respects, but very certain in other respects, very certain as we consider God's promise to us here at Shiloh and his promise to those of you who will form Zion. The question is, who will you choose to believe? Whose word will you choose to believe? What will you choose to believe? You see what's being required of you here, friends? Faith. Faith in God faith in God's promise. But we might think, well, sometimes my faith is strong, other times it's very weak. Leon Morris, the commentator, says, it is not so much great faith in God that is required as faith in a great God. Not so much a great faith in God that is required, but faith in a great God. 
Dale Ralph Davis, whose commentary on Joshua I'm relying heavily on tonight, says this, I must not trust how spiritual I feel, but what has gone forth from God's mouth. Our faith in God's word, our faith in God's promises is faith in God itself. So friends, first of all, we're called to a faith like Caleb, a faith in the sovereign God, a faith in his word and his promise. And that kind of faith produces a devotion unto the Lord, our second consideration tonight, the devotion of faith. Uh, By this, we mean a faith which leads to action. Real faith, sincere faith, leads to action, and that faith is sometimes, or that action, is sometimes costly. Devotion to the Lord is frequently not easy, but always ultimately rewarding. I'm thinking here of verse 7 and verse 8. Caleb says, I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought him word again as it was in my heart. But my brothers who went up with me made the heart of the people melt, yet I wholly followed the Lord my God. Caleb and Joshua are sent out to spy the land with the other ten spies, and their trust in God's promise and God's word that God would indeed give them the land separated them from the majority of their brethren. Ten came back with a faithless report of giants in the land. Two came back saying, let's get in there as quickly as we can. The land is ours. Why? They both saw the giants in the land before them. They both saw the challenges. Ten of them saw the challenges through the lens of faithlessness. Two of them, Joshua and Caleb, saw the challenge through the lens of faith. They believed what God had said, and God had said, I will give you this land. I will give you this land. And they chose to believe God rather than be swayed by the circumstances in the land. They chose to believe the word of God rather than what they saw with their eyes in the land. And now, 45 years later, Verse 10 tells us that Caleb is now 85, 45 years after that original event. These matters are still imprinted on Caleb's mind. His heart is very much influenced by the workings of grace, even when that puts him at odds with the majority. His heart trusted the promise of God with respect to the land in spite of the obvious military challenges in taking the land and in spite of the isolation of his brethren. Ten said no. Two said yes. Notice what he says. I wholly followed the Lord my God. I don't think we're meant to read that so much about about Caleb wholly following the Lord. It's true, no doubt. But what he's saying is, I simply believed what the Lord had said. I believed on the Lord. I believed his promise. I believed his word. His word was good enough for me. Caleb's faith was exercised independent of the apparent consequences 
of being a man of faith. Consider this, friends, by way of application. The first is this. Faithlessness produces fear. Faithlessness produces fear in God's people. When leaders or when the people turn their back upon God and what he has promised, it produces fear and confusion. But secondly, faith, true sincere faith, produces boldness. You see, Caleb took a stand, and he took that stand righteously. He went against the grain. He stood with Joshua alone. Zion, you're going to go out into a world in a similar fashion. You're going to seek to establish a witness for Christ. You'll be swimming against the tide of society, of governments. You'll be despised by many. At times, you will probably feel your size or perhaps your lack of size. You will face opposition from without. You'll face opposition from within. But that opposition from without or from within or the lack of your size is no measure of God's faithfulness. It just simply isn't. You must remove such thoughts from your mind. Has not God often worked through a single person? Think of our Lord, most remarkably so. You see, the devotion of faith leads to an action of faith, even when that faith is costly. But what will help you next week, next month, next year, five years, ten years' time, whether it be you of Zion or us of Shiloh, what will help us through this task of walking by faith? It's having the correct perspective of faith. Our third consideration in verse 10, the perspective of faith. Now, Caleb's perspective is threefold. Uh, we could say it like this, what God has done, what God is doing, and what God will do, past, present, and future. Verse 10, we see what God has done in the past. And now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive just as he said these 45 years, what God has done, uh, what God is doing, verse 11, I am still as strong today as I was in the day that Moses sent me. My strength now is as my strength was then. Remarkable statement. What God will do, verse 12, the second part of verse 12. We read there, it may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall drive out then the Anakim just as the Lord has said. The perspective of faith looks back to the present and to the future. And looking to the future and to the past often allows us to interpret our present correctly. There's such a thing in at least the Reformed world as redemptive history. Looking through the history of redemption as, as it applies in all of Scripture, God's plan of salvation working out mightily for his people throughout the ages. But friends, there's such a thing as a personal redemptive history. Here it is. A redemptive history for each one of you that belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ this night. The perspective of examining your own life from the perspective of faith 
what God has done for you, what God is doing for you, and what God will do for you. Looking at one's life mapped out by the hand of our perfect and wise and loving Heavenly Father, notwithstanding all the bumps, notwithstanding all the hardships, all the turmoil and trial, it is mapped out by God. That's what Caleb does here. This is what the Lord did for me. I'm now as strong as I was then, and I will inherit the land. Caleb reflects upon his life, past, present, future. If you read the Psalms, it's full of this. The psalmist reflecting on the mighty acts of God individually and corporately, and how that will impact him in the here and now, and what God will do individually and corporately for his people. And faith, the perspective of faith, allows us, perhaps many years after an event, to understand that event truly and properly. As we look back on those events of yesteryear and see how the Lord kept us in spite of ourselves, as we think on the promise of God for our future, what God is going to do for us, what he's going to do for his people when Christ will come again, allows us to interpret the present. That's what's going on with Caleb. God has kept me. God will bring me into the land. I'm fit now. Let me go into the land. Give me this land. Even if it means, verse 12, I have to go in and fight the Anakim, the giants of the land. Friends, our perspective must be a perspective of faith in the coming weeks, months, and years ahead. Personally, members of Zion, members of Shiloh, you will face individual trials and hardships. It's unavoidable. Various challenges, sore trials. What is your hope, dear friends, through those trials? Trials of sickness, sorrow, unemployment, death, loneliness, heartache. What's going to keep you, friends? And as churches, we'll face schism. We'll face attacks from within, attacks from without, people turning against you. Think on this, a fledgling church, Shiloh, a more established church, losing one quarter of its members there or thereabouts. Is not this the most opportune time for Satan to attack both churches? Just think on that. It is the perfect time. Satan sees the kingdom being enlarged and the faith of God's people going out. He sees the work of God. He has a great interest in destroying it. What will keep you? It's the knowledge of your past, of your present, and of your future. That God has protected us. He will protect us. And he will protect us unto the end of our lives. He has been with us. He is with us. He will be with us. He has blessed us. He is blessing us. He will bless us, past, present, future. And the blessings might look different at various times. It might be through great growth, or it might be through pruning. But friends, think on what you have heard in recent weeks about God's love for Zion. 
He has committed himself covenantally to being with you individually, dear Christian, and with us as churches. That's what he says in his word, and his word ought to be enough for us, friends. His commitment ought to be enough to sustain us and comfort us. And that commitment, that perspective of faith, should cause us, as it did with Caleb, to ask much of God. If you like, it energizes our faith, the energy of faith, our fourth consideration this evening. The energy of faith is seen here in Caleb's request for land. All the nation is having the land divided up amongst its tribes and amongst its clans, and Caleb has a desire to have his own particular parcel of land. Look at verse 12 once again. So now give me this hill country of which the Lord spoke on that day, for you heard on that day how the Anakim were there with great fortified cities. It may be that the Lord will be with me, and I shall drive them out, just as the Lord had said. There are three parts to this faith that we see in Caleb. It's a faith which is ready and willing to conquer, to inherit and overcome. There's the request the request, give me this land of which the Lord spoke. Second, there's the acknowledgement. The acknowledgement that the giants are still in the land. The Anakim are still there. It's a realistic faith. They still need to be overcome. And then there's the expectation. The translation's a little bit interesting. It raises the question, will, will this happen? It may be that the Lord will be with me. But the doubt in that statement is answered in, and I shall drive them out, just as the Lord said. There's the expectation, the request, the acknowledgement of the trouble that lies ahead, and the expectation. Not really, maybe the Lord will be with me, but yes, the Lord is with me, and he will give me the land, just as he's promised. Caleb's faith was lively and assured, realistic, and full of expectation. He wants that land, even though he knows he still has battle to do to inherit it. But he wants this land, no other land, and God said he would give it to him. And he expects God to come good on his word. Friends, this is just part of the part of the book of Joshua. If you read the book of Joshua, you will see that it's full of God saying to the people, if you walk before me well, I will give you the land. I will drive out the people. I will fight for you. I will send the hornet before you into the land to drive out the nations before you. I will give you the land, says the Lord. Our faith is in that same God. Will he give us southern Wake County? Not in the way that Caleb is taking this land, of course, but through conversions. Through the growth of Zion Presbyterian Church. We don't know what the Lord will do, but we know that his will is perfect. Friends, do we think this way? Here's Caleb, 85 years old. As strong as the day as he was 40, apparently, waiting to go into war to take 
the hill country. Does our faith energize us in this fashion? Is there an engine within each one of us which says that we should ask great things of God and do great things on his behalf? Do we expect great things of God? Members of Shiloh, are you nervous? Nervous to lose a quarter of the congregation? Are you wondering the effect it will have upon us? I am. Zion members, are you nervous? What will come of you? What will happen? How will we exist in rented accommodation? Will the members pull their weight or will the weight left be left be upon just a small number? How will Zion fare in the weeks to come? How will you fare in evangelism? Friends, we all need the faith of Caleb here. We all need the faith of Caleb. He simply says, give me the land. I will conquer it because the Lord has said so. Friends, has not the Lord Jesus said this? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore to all nations, making disciples of them, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Did not Jesus say that? We have the utmost confidence we should have to go out as Zion, to remain as Shiloh, and continue the work of the church. Faith in what God has done, faith in what he is doing, faith in what he will do. We can act in fear or we can act in faith. Let's act in faith. It's not necessarily easier, but it is according to the will of God. Faith, friends, looks outside itself. It looks outside itself for strength, for action. Faith looks unto the Lord. Faith doesn't say we've got 150,000 sitting in the bank account or we've got a great new young pastor with two great elders. We'll be just fine. Faith doesn't speak like that. Faith praises God for those things and then acts. It acts. The same for us at Shiloh. What blessings we have received. God has given us much. Our Lord says, to whom much has been given, much will be required. Are we serving? Are we acting out of the energy of our faith? Has this faith energized us for service in the kingdom? Delight in worship, obedient living, self-sacrificial giving. And I'm not just thinking of money there. I'm thinking about time and energies and love and relationships and so on. As it was for Caleb, let it be so also for us. And the final thing we see is the fruition of faith. The fruition of faith is the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ. Consider this as we seek to serve, as we seek to, uh, to, to press on and persevere, the foundation of our faith remains the word of God. Who is the word of God? The, uh, Jesus Christ. He is the word incarnate. And that means many things. We can't explore them tonight. But it does most certainly mean this. Christ as the word, we learn this. All God's promises are yes and are men in him. 
And so there is no promise that comes to the Christian that exists outside of the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, friends, if Jesus still lives, or well, not lives, but is dead in a grave, then we have no hope. Because all the promises of God have died with him. But look on Jesus, friends, the foundation of your faith, sat at the right hand of the majesty on high from where he will come to judge the living and the dead. He's there with God. He's here with us. He's the very foundation of all we do. We've spoken also about the devotion of faith. Think of our Lord, a faith so devoted it led to action. He stood alone before his accusers. He died alone for sin. He is raised from the dead. And he is the one who has said this, if you confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father who is in heaven. Zion members, Shiloh members, go out confessing Christ. Be so devoted unto him that that confession is on our lips. We've spoken also about the perspective of faith, what God has done, what God is doing, what God will do. I remind you once again, where is our Lord now? Apart from being with us through his spirit, he is sat at the right hand of God on high. Will he come again? Yes, he will. Will he come in glory? Yes, he will. And he's called you now. He's called us all as the church to go out and make disciples of all nations. And he's promised after that to gather us unto himself. That's the perspective we keep as we go forth in this venture. And we've considered lastly the energy of faith. Just think of your Lord one more time as we think of him from Hebrews chapter 12. We read this in the first few verses. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. That's consider him, consider yourself consider ourselves. Friends, what are we called to tonight from Caleb's life, from all of Scripture, in fact? It's a faith which puts wholly its trust in God, in his Savior, and in his Word, a faith which has promised great goodness to us. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You shall be saved, and you shall prosper. Let's pray.